How many times have you wished your kid came with a manual? When we are unsure as parents, there are so many conflicting opinions that it's overwhelming to know which way is best. Even when we're intentional, situations change, which require us to be flexible and remodel our styles to meet the needs of our families. I created this podcast to share principles and strategies that I have used in counseling and education to help parents prioritize authenticity, connection, and purpose with their kids. Welcome to Remodel Parenting. Welcome back to Remodel Parenting, everyone. Today, we're continuing in our series on intimacy, connection, and sex, and this Um, episode is entitled It's All Developmental. While in this series, I am going to give some practical tips and some specific information that you need to make sure you're covering or ways that you're doing things with your kids. One of the things that I wanted to provide in this is an overarching framework to conceptualize this process so that it can guide you in the way that you engage. And it's also one you can describe to your kids so that they can link to it as well. What I found is that when I'm teaching really complex or we're getting into complex material, when I'm teaching people how to be counselors and it's a lot of material that's new or it's overwhelming at times, if I can give a framework and a backbone or almost like a shelving system or a filing system for people to put things into, it's like it alleviates this amount of anxiety that they have so that they can just be free to engage with the information. That's what I'm hoping that this is going to do, it, especially if you have any kind of, you know, anxiety or trepidatious feelings about this topic with your kids. When we talk about these relational connection pieces, it's important to always go back to the fact that everything that we do in our in life is in developmental cycles and frameworks. Um, There are many, many theories of development, but when you get into human development theory and how we engage, you can look at models and structure on one, just how we develop in general. Eric Erickson's psychosocial model is one of my favorites. It goes through the full lifespan on how people change and grow, how they move from one stage to another, and really frame change all the way through life, which we know is very true at every stage that we get into, something alters or shifts or our focus changes, and we have to adapt to that and learn to grow. If you think about a kid hitting puberty and beginning to change in the way that they think and engage with others, we hit many, many more of those developmental stages through our life that are mental, emotional, physical, and and, um, and relational, and we have to adapt to those at every stage how all of those changes happen and how they come are at different stages for different people. But oftentimes they do that without us initiating anything. We don't have to make our development change. You don't have to tell, you know, a baby that it's time to learn to walk. Uh, Most of the time that just happens innately and that next developmental phase comes into play. So when you talk about topics and you're teaching kids about topics related to intimacy, sex, and connection, just like other very big concepts, it's really helpful to have it framed in a developmental model and in a developmental way so that we can track with it and that we have some natural places of stops if things get beyond where we're ready to learn. Our kids have an uncanny ability to ask really big, deep questions at times that we may not be sure how to answer. Sometimes they can be random gibberish, right? But other times they might throw out a question that's pretty deep philosophically or theologically or about relationships. And 
we might not know the content to answer the question or be sure how to answer the question, but we have all of these flurries and frameworks of, should I even answer this question right now at their life stage and age? And to help that, if we look at a developmental structure and how we grow and learn things, it can help us to either know how to approach that question and how to answer those questions or how to stop them appropriately because there's really no way to answer it within the developmental phase that they're in. The way that I took this approach with my kids, and you may not do it this way, you might choose a different subject, but I'm a math geek and I love math. And so I told my kids when we first started talking about sex and intimacy and relationships that learning about this was like learning about math, just like it is about learning about anything, that math is a general term that you know, encompasses a wide variety of concepts and practices and theories. It has some obscure concepts that some of us have never even heard of, even if we're really good at math. And even when that's the case, it's all still math. Math covers all of it. But you can't go from knowing no math to knowing all the math at once. You can't even go from no math to all the math basics in one lesson, because part of learning math is learning how to work with math concepts and projects. And so you have to have plenty of practice with math problems and math concepts, and you have to get some basics down and learn how to do those really well before you can move into more deep discussions on math, more broader concepts, more difficult equations and problems. And so if you try to do it out of order, or you try to learn really deep, really big math concepts without knowing the basics, you don't have a framework for any of it anyway. Now, even if we can hear and take in what someone else is telling us about math, it doesn't mean that we're understanding it. I might be able to sit in a room with someone who is teaching very advanced math, have them teach me a lesson, say it back to them, and even complete a problem well in it. But that's not indicative of knowing math well or that specific area of math well. It just means I've been able to engage in that moment. And if we take that and look at it in terms of all of the rest of the the content, we might have a conversation or two with our kids, but just because we do about relationships or expectations, about sex and sexuality, one, they may be able to parrot it back to us and talk to us about it, but that doesn't mean that they've learned how to apply it or implement it into their life as part of a new, solid understanding in what they've done. And so we can, in these three initial topics of it's a general compass and term, you really can't go from nothing to everything. And it takes practice and conversations that gives us a framework and dynamic to talk to our kids about too and say, listen, these are going to be conversations that we have for the rest of our lives. I'm going to give you some information today. It's going to feel like a lot. And I'm going to talk to you about all of this. And then you're going to go away and you're going to forget some of it. You're going to remember other parts. You're going to have questions about some of it. You're going to come back to me and ask questions. And we're going to start the conversation over again. And I'll tell you the things again. And you can practice with it until you understand it better. You have to have the engagement, moving back to other types of topics like math. You have to have that engagement with the basics of it over and over again. And not just in the proficiency of the content, you can understand addition or like multiplication, but my kids have had to study math facts for years and years and years to be able to very quickly be able to say what, you know, their multiplication tables, because when they get to higher math concepts, those things have to be coded and be like second nature. They don't need to have to go back and re-remember multiplication and the multiplication tables to then turn around and learn something greater. So those were how I would explain to my kids as they were, you know, working on their math facts and 
and their tables, that this was in the same way that we got pieces of information and basics. They know, they knew then. I said, you know that algebra and geometry exists. You've heard of trigonometry and calculus, but I'm not going to sit down and explain all of those concepts to you right now because you don't have the framework and ability to learn it. It takes time to practice with all of this and for your brain to develop and grab hold of all this in a way that you can even begin to understand all of those. Kids get that really well. Even if kids or people are excellent at basic math skills, they can't comprehend the complexity of things like algebra and geometry until they have the growth time for it, even if they love it, even if there's no more basic math that they can learn and they've got all the basics down and they're just growing in their proficiency with it. um, We can't skip the development, and that's a really important piece of this. Now, when kids ask questions about math they don't understand, we may be able to answer them. Or there may be things for us to have to go back and look at or go back and practice also before we can teach our kids. The number of parents who say, oh my gosh, my kids bring home math problems and I have to go back and look at something online and remember, it's like I know how to do area, but then all of a sudden I look at it and I panic and I forget that I might not know how to do area anymore so i have to make sure that i know before i come back talking to kids about sex and sexuality and intimacy and relationship maybe need to be the same way when you frame this for your kids and for yourself you stop feeling guilty about it or like you should already have it together and know this and it also gives you the space to tell your kids hey i've got to go i want to make sure that i'm bringing you everything in an order that you can understand it give me a day and then i'm going to and then i'm going to initiate this conversation with you again and answer this It's just really important for all of the people who are in this conversation to be on the same page about how this conversation goes and to have reasonable expectations for when and how information is going to be shared between people. Um, If it's not developmental and if it's not um, in line with how they can understand it, then we end up setting them up to not understand larger concepts on it altogether. Um, We also, with a developmental lens, we teach kids to be reasonable about what they know. More now than ever in this day and age of everything being available to us at the tip of our fingertips, we live in an age of the online experts. People think that because they can find information and read that they know all of the for all of the things, right? We would never tell a kid, well, you know how to count and add and subtract and multiply and divide. So basically, you know everything you need to know about math and uh, you know the basics. You could do anything else with it, so you're good to go. We would never say that. So we say that the same thing to them about relationships and sex and sexuality. And um, and we talk to them about how you are learning the basics. You're going to work with them, but that you're going to keep adding on to this over time and you will never know all the things. None of us are ever going to know all the things about this. It is a process that we keep building in. Now, I will suggest that you don't do things like if kids ask you questions, especially questions that they've already asked and you think, why are they asking this again? Um you really want to avoid saying, listen, I already answered this for you and I'm not going to talk about it again right now. You might draw some other types of boundaries if there are other things going on, but kids don't hang on to this information as well as we would like for them to or as well as we do. And so we have to remember that we want to set the tone for them to come back to us. So we might say, hey, this is not a time that I can answer that again, but we can set up another conversation about that and I will answer it again. Talking about sex and high levels of intimacy starts when we're talking to them about the differences between people. 
about affection, about appropriate physical touch. And when we frame all of this developmentally, it helps us relax and we don't have to prepare for all the information. So it gives you a little bit of a rest inside, hopefully. When you're going into conversations with your kids, you may know some things that you want to share with them or tell them, but you don't have to go in knowing that you have all of the information and that you're going to be prepared for anything they throw at you. One, that's unreasonable and it will never happen anyway. Two, we just need to be prepared for what we know now and be prepared to say, I need to get some information on that. Let me pause on that and I'll come back to it. Or even just to say, hey, this is not a convert. This is not a question or a piece of information I can answer for you right now. It won't make sense in things, but I will answer it for you one day. Um, it helps when we frame this with our kids this way too, so that they understand the developmental phase. They understand the pieces when they're in classes with their um, teachers and they ask questions about math that are off the wall. Teachers don't answer them. They say, "We're learning this math right now, and that's math that I can't explain to you in this context," and they accept that and move on. It's above their level at this point. Um, It gives us language and verbiage to point back to, and like I said, things that they already understand, because with that structure in place, it codes for them, okay, I understand that they're not answering this, not because they don't want to answer my questions, or because it's something that I can't have an answer to, it's just not in the right context and frame. When kids ask questions that are outside of the realm of their understanding, we might be able to engage in a little bit of content with them that would give them a portion of the answer. But kids are very accepting most of the time of being told, hey, I could tell you the answer to that, but it's only going to open up 17 more questions that I don't have time to fill in all the answers for. This is one of those things. It's like higher level math. That's not addition, subtraction multiplication division that's what we're getting into algebra and geometry and it's just going to take a little more time before I can explain all of that to you I can give you this part of that information but that's about all I'm going to be able to tell you now and you just have to kind of stick with me on this and let's make sure you have all the basics down first a developmental lens is one you can always turn to when you get stuck and that is a really really good thing to keep in our back pockets as parents Um, Another is establishing very clearly with your kid that this is not a one conversation situation. They have to know that this is an ongoing discussion that they have the access to start that we will be starting as well and that will unpack and develop over time into deeper ways. Um, it helps them accept when we may not when we tell them that we don't have answers now, but we'll answer them later. It allows us to practice in going and getting information and or it really allows us to practice pausing and bringing it back up to them. Some parents say, I'm totally fine talking to my kids when they ask questions, but I feel very weird bringing it up to them. Well, part of that means that you could use some practice in that. So the starting and stopping of conversations is not a bad thing at all. It's a great practice. Even if it's, you know, every now and then if my daughter has a question, I'll say, hey, I've got about five or six minutes right now. So if you want to ask me, I'll see if I can answer part of it. But if it gets bigger than that, we'll need to put a pin in it and I'll just come back to it. She has learned that that's our rhythm and the way that we do things. She's completely fine with it and she can roll with it. But it's a really healthy overlay for life for kids, too, because it's the it's the precursor to even moving into relationships. You think about long term relationships like marriage 
and and stable relationships over time that take continued work on discussions, they really need to be able to build up a tolerance and an understanding that some conversations and decisions and learning happens over time. And we can build that in here with this as well. It also helps us um, teach management of timing and privacy and information to our kids. So it we can help guide them and say, hey, here's when and how we bring up these conversations. Here's the language you can use if you have conversations about one of these topics and ask for a conversation alone or outside of things. We don't bring them up in public. You know, we don't talk, we don't bring it up here or there. This is the method in which it goes. And so you can build other skills in your kids too about discretion and wisdom in how and when they ask questions hope that this information has um, given you a bit of a structure and framework that's going to help with the pacing of the conversations and helps you know decrease any insecurities or anxieties around it but also helps you feel like it's given you a toolbox of phrasing to help guide your kid in places where oftentimes we get stuck in the next episode we're gonna talk about some actual content and basics that i think is absolutely necessary to cover throughout the conversations on sex and intimacy with your kids. So make sure that you tune in for that one. Thank you for listening to Remodel Parenting. If this has been helpful for you, share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss our weekly episodes. You can visit theremodelproject.com to sign up for our email list and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.